Búscalo, búscalo, eso fue Jenny Lo Mexicas. Estás escuchando a youtube.com para Inclinada Elite Week. What up, motherfuckers? This is Elite Week. Uh, this is episode. Yeah, I know. I freaked out a bunch of white people going, like, holy shit, is this a Spanish podcast? What's going on? Uh, this is Elite Week, episode 61, called uh, You Got a Prize and You Get a Prize Galactic Water Cooler. Friday, February the 5th, 2020. I am your host through this drunken tour of the galaxy. Y mi nombre es Kaizen. And with us tonight, my XO, Roy. Say hi to the beautiful people, Roy. Happy Friday, everyone. Glad you're here. I think we're going to have fun. Hell yes. Tactical Officer Tweak, say hi to the beautiful people. Friday night, we made it again. I hope everybody is strapped in and ready for a show. Absolutely. Strap in. We're about to do a hard burn. We've got a counselor with us. Her name is Boss Lady B. Say hi. Hello, everyone. It's the first uh, Friday in February, so uh, it's going to be a good time and uh, looking forward to tonight's conversations. Absolutely. And of course, our engineer, W.K. Jez, say hi to the beautiful people. Good evening, everybody. Um, I'm ready with my gloves on to go one-on-one with Tweaked. We won't let you down by the end of the show, so get ready. (laughs) Wow, we've got a threat of violence, and I'm four drinks in already. It was a long song. All right, let's go. Um, Right off the bat, uh, our cover art is Atmospheric Dusting by Commander Vex. At Commander Vex. His full name is Commander Vex Matraxis. Check him out. At CMDRVEX on YouTube or Twitter. Yeah, that's the thing. Our opening song, as I said, was Frenetico Ritmo, which means the like frenetic pace by Jenny and the Mexicats. Our closing song is going to be Noages by Pamplemousse. So we got Spanish up front and French at the back. There's a joke in there somewhere. You figure it out. Whew. All right. So, um, Tonight on the show, we've got direct behind-the-scenes questions answered by Frontier. We've got a new Buckyball race, a new Elite podcast, a sneak peek at some new engineers, at the anti-botting initiative, everything you already knew about first footfalls, 
and space slavery or clickbait, you decide. All this and more, so stay tuned to the show. If you're listening to us on the podcast and would like to see the live show and visuals, check us out on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Elite Week and on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Elite Week. If you're watching us on YouTube or Twitch and would like to know how to catch us on our podcast, check out anchor.fm forward slash Elite Week. For sending us your thoughts by email, you can reach us at eliteweek3306 at gmail.com. Our very active and growing Elite Week Discord can be found at tinyurl.com forward slash Elite Week Discord, where you can check out or contribute to community feedback, resources on turning the wheel, and real-time updates about Elite from a variety of content creators. In addition to the Discord community feedback channel, feel free to write in our YouTube comments anything about the topic of the week, as well as anything else you'd like to share. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you're enjoying the show on YouTube, please make sure to like and subscribe and click on the bell. It really helps us out. On Twitch, a follow would be much appreciated. If you're on Twitter, feel free to follow at EliteWeek3306 for news and information about Elite Dangerous and cool sci-fi and space news. We record live on YouTube every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 1 a.m. UTC, so come and join in on the fun. If you're listening to us on the podcast, please make sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you use. And let us know if there's a format you want us to look into. We don't do Patreon, so save your money and just tell your friends about the show. Hell yes. Yeah, tell your friends about the show. All right, so right off the bat, we're going to start off with the Dark Wheel Update. I know you guys like the little songs. So let's play. It's the Dark Will Update. Wow, that was dramatic. All right. So right off the bat, I want to give a huge shout out to the Black Sky Legion Squadron, the official squadron of the Dark Wheel. You can find them in game. The tag squadron tag is BSL1. You can join if you want on PC. It's BSL1 Black Sky Legion. Where are we at with the Black Sky Legion, or sorry, the Dark Wheel altogether, the project? Well, we're in second place at Ross 154. If you remember, just last week, we landed at Ross 154, and it was like, all right, we're going to try to, you know, see what happens, what we do. Well, we're already, like, there. We're good. Things are, are moving quickly. Um, we won our first war. Went through, climbed up, jumped straight up to second place, and we're in the process of climbing now. We will, I would think, probably within a week, we'll be in our war to take over the place altogether. And then, you know, we win that war. We keep pushing. We expand. And this is the Seoul test site. So this expansion will tell us, do we move into Seoul or not? Is there something that happens when we trigger this expansion or not? We're right by Seoul and we're ready to go in. Um, absolutely. We got Wolf, my XO, in the chat who is the general for this uh, whole deal. And he's saying, keep up the climb, commanders. The war for Ross 154 will be glorious. Legit, like just between you and me, you know, there was a whole thing with uh, the pilot. He posted a thing about the dark wheel. And uh, I asked Frontier, I was like, hey, do you guys have an official comment on that? And their response, because his thing was like, mm, Frontier isn't going to do anything. This whole thing's a waste of time, whatever. 
I, I asked Frontier, I was like, do you have an official comment? And they were like, officially, we have no comment. I can personally tell you that you should, you know, keep going at it and that, uh, you know, we, we think this is a very cool initiative, but officially we have no comment. And it's like, okay, well, we'll, we'll see. And I, I basically responded back. I was like, look, I'm not asking for you to give me like, this is going to happen or that is going to happen, but Within a month, we will have tested Soul and the LFT509 site, and either something will happen or it won't. And at that point, I won't need you to give me any advance, whatever. It'll be what it is. I hope, for your sake, that you're not sort of planning on ignoring the whole thing. And, you know, so that's where it is. <sighs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, fingers crossed. Honestly, me personally, I put more stock into 509 than I do uh, Soul, but that's just me personally. So we'll see. We'll see how it how it plays out. I'm I'm interested though in both, and it'll be good to test them. So here we come. All right. <clears throat> Next up. I want to call out uh, last night's show. So I did a show yesterday. It was basically a one-on-one. -on -one. It was like a 40-minute long to an hour, somewhere 45-minute long interview with Alec Turner of the Buckyball Race Club fame and Alec Turner's best of the forums fame. Um, it was a very, very cool chat. We talked about the new Buckyball race. We talked about his trip to Colonia and the cool stuff that he's doing with that. And we talked about his feelings on the state of the game right now, as far as the delay and issues and and uh, communications with Frontier and what have you. And uh, it was just a little extra something, something that we threw in there. It's less than an hour long and it's in the stream. It went up yesterday um, on the uh, went up yesterday on YouTube. It went up today on a podcast. So if you're hearing this because you listen live and you're like, oh, wait, there was something yesterday, go check it out after the show. See what you think. Um, so it's there for you. <sighs> Next up, we've got the System Chat podcast. Uh, these uh, There's some some new, there's a new game in town. These, these guys did episode zero, basically, uh, released episode zero last week. And it's like, it's just like, here's the channel promo. This is talking a little bit about what the show is about and what you can expect. The first show is going to be coming later in the month, and they've got some asshole as their first guest. I, I would probably skip the first one, but the second one will be awesome. Why don't I open this up to Boss Lady B and WK Jazz? Why don't you, one of the two or both of you, tell us a little bit about System Chat Podcast? Because I think you guys might have an inside with the people that are running that shit. Yes, well, uh, <laughs> Jess can tell you a little bit more about the uh, the first guest. Very mysterious, but um, yeah, we had this idea a while back, and uh, Jess did some amazing stuff with interviewing local, interesting people in the community, and it grew into System Chat. Yeah, I mean, what it was about a year ago we first started openly talking about podcasts and 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 doing it. And we didn't really sort of pull the trigger on it, and and we've seen definitely a lot of interest around it. And we kind of wanted to do something a little bit different, which is what is like a almost like a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Well, not one-on-one, -on -one, but more con conversing with, I guess, kind of expanding on the community feedback. 
I guess, is, is the best way of summarizing it, right? Yeah, and just, um, actually, we love the after show here, which some of you guys got mm-hmm. to hear the other night. And <laughs> that's kind of what we want to replicate, just the utter <laughs> lovely chaos. Mm-hmm. Right but, on. But it is, it's definitely designed to be in tandem with, but not counter to Elite Week as a podcast. We're not here just to kind of, you know, get fat and, you know, <laughs> swear button off, you know, but... <laughs> <laughs> wow, you bleeped yourself. That was very classy. Right off the bat, I can yeah. tell you guys are going to have a better show than us. Damn. Yeah, I've got the shit down. Oh, there we go. You can't you know, bleep I'm after the word. Well, hey, yeah, I, 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 it's my first day. Fair, fair. All right. Well, that sounds very, very cool. So the idea, as I, as I sort of get it, is that you're going to be having people, it's almost going to be kind of more like a call-in thing where people, you know, r- reach out and you bring them in and you guys talk and you just, it's going to be like, um, you know, the commander's viewpoint, not the content creator's viewpoint, but the commander's viewpoint, the actual, mm-hmm. the community. Yeah. I dig that. That's very cool. That's very cool. I, I, I yeah, really... de- definitely. Okay. Because as... I mean, me, boss lane on Twitch, right? So we we noticed that the different bubbles of content creation have only haven't crossed over a whole lot, and that's mm. what we kind of want to do. But make the conversation toward us, not us toward other people, I guess. Fair. I dig yeah. that. So when are you guys, when is the actual night of the recording of the, of the first episode? And then, and it's going to air live. I, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to start with, we're going to be rotating it between boss lady B's channel and myself. And it's going to be March the first. Um, I can't remember whose channel is going to be on first. I who's... think it starts on Jez's first okay. and it's noon. My time, which is what, what is that? Your time, Jez? I, 8 p.m. Um, unbelievably terrific country time. Right on. So that'll be 3 p.m. my time. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds like it's going to be a, a blast. And, uh, yeah, I mean, despite the fact that you guys had a letdown for your first guest, I'm sure the second show will pick up and it'll be even better. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going up market. We are going up market and we're going to be talking to um, your recycling can for episode two. Oh, yes, yes. Kaizen's recycling <laughs> can. Oh, yeah. You tell us, I tell you. I'm looking forward to it. Wow. That's uh, <laughs> the, that that <laughs> recycling <laughs> bin can tell you some stories, my friend. All right. So that is a thing to look forward to. System Chat Podcast will be in your feed starting in March. So look for it. We'll have more updates on it. While we're talking about podcasts, there was also the Fuel Rats podcast, the squeaking fuel that um came out this week and it had allegations in it of uh in-game slavery is the term that i've heard thrown out quite a bit um there's a link in the show notes it's a 13 minute long show you can listen to it for yourself and and give me your own thoughts um i'm gonna be honest with you uh, I, I don't have anything against the Fuel Rats at all. I, I love the Fuel Rats. I think they're an awesome service in-game. However, with regard to this specific podcast, this specific show, 
it seemed clickbaity as fuck to me. It seemed like so the actual guys that do the system or sorry, not system chat, the the fuel squeak podcast, uh squeaking fuel podcast. They just came on and were like, hey, we're squeaking fuel and we're going to turn the mic over to this guy who's going to talk to you for a little bit. And then they turned the mic over for the balance of the show to this guy who seemed to me to have all the genuineness of a fucking used car salesman who was like, this is a horrible thing that is going to destroy the game and we have to whatever. And he sounded just so... uh in addition, I'm going to jump right to the next thing, too. We're going to co- incorporate both of these into sort of one uh, sort of combo situation. Um, the next thing on the list was a Polygon article that was released on the exact same issue. Uh, and it, the link, again, is in the show notes. So, I mean, if you want, you can listen to the 13-minute long Fuel Rep podcast and, and the cringe that, that, that was there. You can also read the Polygon article and see for yourself. Frontier was contacted on the issue, and their basic response was like, we take any allegations of this kind of harassment or behavior very, very seriously. We are looking into it. Uh, According to our records, there are potentially as many as 15 commanders that have been involved in this. If whatever, we will review it. And if and when we find that the terms of service have been violated, we will address it severely or, you know, uh, uh, appropriately. So, like, yeah, and I get it. That's what Frontier has to say because they're a company. So they're like, hey, look, if there's a liability issue here, if somebody's doing something out of line, if somebody is harassing children or racial slurs or whatever, we have to say we're going to look into it. But for the record, to date... They're saying, like, we don't have proof of, you know, wrongdoing. We have a serious allegation, victims, a very small number of potential victims, and we are looking into it. Now, other people are claiming, like, we've looked into this, and we're rescuing people, and we're doing whatever, and I don't know. And Maybe, you know, there's, there's a potential here that this is a real threat or concern or scam for some people. But here is what it is not. Because I've heard the term, this is slavery. This is a concentration camp. And that is gross to me because it's not slavery. This is a video game. Okay, I'm not going to get into details, but I've seen slaves for real in my life. Those people don't have an option to log off. They don't have an option to file a ticket and to get their whatever back. They don't have other options. There are people that that are alive now that have grandparents that lived through concentration camps and what have you, and that they spoke to directly about it to use the term slavery or concentration camp or any of these other hyperbole is over the top and very fucking offensive to people that have lived through real life or have family members that have lived through real life, traumatic and horrific experiences that for most cushy Americans or British people that are just sitting on their ass watching the YouTube right now, you can't comprehend what the fuck that is. So don't use those terms. It, it, it's, that's not, that's very disrespectful. Now, potentially this is a real scam. I'm, I'm not denying that. And potentially, according to Frontier's records, as many as 15 people may have been scammed. I'm not denying that. I'm not saying this is whatever. I'm saying I think a good bit of this smells like a hoax to me. And I think we just recently had a thing where a bunch of free accounts were available. So if you're some basement dweller asshole that's just screaming out for attention because you think daddy didn't love you, 
there's a chance that you might create some kind of a weird hoax like this and then get attention from people. I can tell you privately, and I can't name names and I won't give sources, but I can tell you privately that I've spoken to people who were approached on behalf of content creators about this issue. And those people said, we were approached and they were like, we need to talk to the content creator. And we said, that's not how that works. You talk to us, we review it. If we find your stuff to be factual and accurate and worthy, we'll pass it along. And it was like, no, I only, this is only for the content creator's ears. It was very scummy, very like I need direct access to important people or whoever I feel is important in my own twisted fucking mind. And listening to that Fuel Rats podcast, it very much came across as this thing of like crying out for attention. It's, it's just very meh to me. So I leave it to you to decide, is this a real scam in which case it should be treated seriously it's definitely not slavery it's definitely not concentration camp but i mean it could be a scam and people could have been sort of mistreated or abused by that and that's important and should be addressed um in addition the polygon article makes an allegation that it involved a child being like solicited to try to like you know come here or whatever i don't see a lot of seven-year-olds being elite dangerous commanders that the type and nature of this game is such that it's fairly in depth it's not a it's not a fortnite type game that's easy in and out it's it's those of us i mean this is pretty much a forum dad's game i think we'll mostly agree but there are potentially some children i guess that could play this game and if it, number one if a child was solicited to come to because apparently these people are alleged to have their own discord and in that discord there's supposed to be some nazi references and also some like racial slurs being used whatever like first off if you're soliciting a child to come to your discord i think that's right off the bat that's like illegal that's against like the discord terms of service so they they should kick you from having a discord just based off of that like just reporting for i don't care if you call yourself the you know, we're the, the fucking Teletubbies Appreciation Society. I don't think you're allowed to ask kids to join a Discord. I think you're supposed to be 13 or over, period, in order to interact with Discord. But, um, and, and yeah, there were some things that, you know, people are using racial slurs or whatever. On the, I, I have no interest in going to this Discord. I don't intend to give them the time of day of that. But, like, if that's the situation where people are being, you know, like racist assholes or Nazi promoters or anything like that, then of course, obviously deal with it in the appropriate manner that you would deal with it. With regards to anyone scammed in this game, it's, it's a video game. A scam is a scam. It's not slavery. It's not whatever. That's a real fucking clickbaity approach. But yeah, like people can go, can Google how to relocate if you're stuck on a fleet carrier. People can reload their accounts. People can go on the forums. People can open a ticket. People can do all sorts of things to get themselves out of a situation. Um, and then, obviously, alternatively, here's the thing. Slaves don't have the ability to log off. You, as a cushy fucking person living your life in 2021, do. But, um, yeah, so I, I think I've talked enough on all of this stuff. Let's bring in Boss Lady B. Go ahead. So I think this brings up a really good point, which is that education around newer players and fleet carriers may need to become very important in the future because we all know that one person that 
you know, logged out and got stranded because the fleet carrier jumped 5,000 light years away and called mm-hmm. you up crying, come pick me up. I'm only in a 10 light year jump range ship. So there is a bit about <clears throat> fleet carriers and newer players, maybe not knowing because this isn't in the training video at the beginning of the game or anything like that. Um, that they don't know that this thing that seems like a big permanent object moves. So mm-hmm. that's the only thing I can really find a thread mm-hmm. of. This is important to me, at least to mm-hmm. educate people that that's a thing. And if they do get stranded, yeah, someone might have a job to go pick them up, but I think we just need to educate people about fleet carriers a little bit better. And then this situation wouldn't even be a, a big deal. A hundred percent. You are, you could not be more right. That's a thing for all new commanders to know. If you like, oh, I'm going to fly over to this fleet carrier and then whatever. If you know the person and you know, they're going to be stationed there. Okay. That's completely fine. If you're like, oh shit, my job called or like my wife needs me to help unload groceries or something or, or I'm done for the night. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Get off the fleet carrier. You can literally take off from the fleet carrier. You could be 50 feet off the ground. And, you know, so long as you're not docked, so long as you're at the point where landing gear is up and you're floating in space, log off then. And then if the fleet carrier is still there tomorrow, when you log back on, you can land and buy more stuff or sell more stuff or do whatever you like. If the fleet carrier is now on the other side of the fucking bubble and not in a place that is convenient for you at all, you're safe because you're in space. You're now free. Um, so yes, 1000%, uh, Jess, hop in, please. I was just going to say, if it is a hoax, it's still a very serious thing. And I hope the frontier deal with those people as seriously as if the people are actually doing this. Cause let's be honest, if this is something as serious as, is being investigated, then it's obviously going to be going through not public facing parts of the company and they're investing their time on this. Mm-hmm. So if, if anybody is listening and is involved in this and it is a hoax, um, it's not a game anymore and you're being stupid and you are probably going to face a lot of problems. If you know, they investigate it and figure out that you've been dicked. So completely give up, give up Com- now. Completely tweaked. I agree with everything that you all just said there, but conversely to that, if this is not a hoax, as the player has a lot of options, different things they could do. But the problem is these new players. I mean, think back to when I first started the game, I could barely lift my landing gear and make it out of the airlock. I had no freaking clue of the inner workings of this game or Mm -hmm. the jump to hyperspace and how many light years away a system was. I didn't know any of that kind of stuff. I can see where it could be problematic. And if this is real, this is a very bad look for Elite Dangerous, period. Very bad. No no question at all. You're absolutely right. And either way, this is a serious situation that has to be addressed. It's either a hoaxer or a group of hoaxers that, you know, it's like, oh, that's just gross. Fuck off. Or it's somebody who is you know, trying to take advantage and scamming new players. You're not enslaving anyone, but you're scamming players. And that is also scummy and shitty and should be stopped as well. So like either which way, yes, absolutely. This, this should not happen. All right. So let's move on. Next up, we've got the anti-botting pledge. So this is a thing that's been going around the community for sort of the last week or so. And 
you know, I've already signed on to the pledge. Uh, the link is in the Discord, or sorry, the link is in the show notes for the anti-blotting pledge Discord. Basically, the idea behind this is to have a show of support where the community comes in and says, hey, we are against the whole idea of botting. We think it's wrong. We think it's bad. We want to support Frontier in whatever efforts they can take to combat the idea or, or the, the, the process of it. Uh, I spoke with Jane Turner earlier today. She wanted to highlight, she's the person, one of the people that's sort of in charge of the whole thing. And she wants to highlight that it's 17,000 players and 150 player groups. Uh, and all power play factions have signed on to the agreement um, it's the same sort of key points that, that they've, they've listed throughout this process. Um, <clears throat> they also want to sort of raise the suggestion that in, in addition to the bots or, or the problem, they want to highlight the problem that in addition to the bots flying from A to B without needing human comforts, uh, it is thought that some are taking advantage of the peer-to-peer -peer nature of the game to effectively record, clone, and replay completed transactions so that you can do in 10 minutes what it takes a human all of their waking hours to do. Um, it says here that the aim of the whole goal here is to raise awareness uh, in the player base and the community uh, to make it clear that it is uh, the start of the initiative that we intend to take as far uh, past virtue signaling as possible, and that's something that requires a definition, etc. They, they're, they're basically saying, like, look, we want to support in any way to try to end all of this. I've signed on in support of this as a private person, as the leader of the Black Sky Legion Squadron in-game, as the sort of leader of the Elite Week podcast and show, as well as a leader of the Dark Wheel Initiative. Um, having said that, I'm a little bit curious as to what this has a chance of accomplishing because this is so far long overdue. Most players probably will tell you like, oh, botting's not a problem, it's not really a deal. There's like sort of three areas where I think it's key, where it's a problem. Two areas are the same and one is different. So there's two different types of bots. There are the bots of haul shit from A to B nonstop 24-7, uh, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, never stop. And those are used by the two first groups, which are power play people and BGS people. There are nefarious people out there who either use, you know, free epic accounts or whenever uh, Elite goes on sale uh, and there's like, oh, you can get Elite for five bucks. They'll buy like 10 accounts, spend 50 bucks. Uh, take, you know, a day each to sort of level those accounts up to the point of, okay, boom, I've got myself a, a fully loaded T9 or what have you, and then just set it up to where they all follow each other. They go in solo mode and they're going to haul merits or they're going to haul, haul materials from A to B, fill it up with a macro 24-7. And this is a thing that has been known for so very, very, very long that this has been happening. 
And Frontier has been made aware of it on multiple occasions where it's like, hey, these 10 commanders who happen to all have the same name with one digit difference have been hauling merits 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the last month and a half. Like this isn't a question of this is like a gray area where it's like, is this a bot or is this not a bot? Like, yes, nobody can haul merits for for 1200 hours straight. Like people need to eat and drink and defecate and sleep and what have you. So like Frontier's been sort of aware of this for a while. And if they haven't taken action on it for whatever reason, whether it's because they choose not to or whether it's because it's more effort than they consider that it's worth or whatever, it's one of those situations where it's like, I'm, I'm not sure what this is going to do. I do appreciate the fact that they're highlighting it, though, and making it very obvious. And maybe, maybe, maybe by highlighting it and getting so many people involved, maybe Frontier will look at it, reevaluate it and say, we should, you know, actually think about doing something about this. So let's bring in Tweet. Tweet? Botting, botting is a big problem. It's not so much a problem on the consoles because you can't really do that kind of thing on the console, but running BGS on the console, like I do, my squadron does, PC squadron can outwork us any day of the week if they have these bots going. It's been a problem for as long as I've been a player of Elite Dangerous. I'm curious as to why this is being brought up now. I applaud the gesture, and I hope FDev listens. Fantastic. Uh, Roy, you're up next. My opinion on this has changed in the short amount of time I've heard about it. When I first heard about it, I was honestly a bit dismissive of it because it sounded to me like, um, you know, let's all sign a pledge that robbing a bank is bad. <laughs> and and it seemed to me like, well, the people that would actually rob a bank don't give a crap about the pledge, so it's still going to happen. Mm-hmm. But then the more, I, the more I thought about it, it was like, you know, mm-hmm. there's some stuff in game that's actually a bit sketchy. And I could see where new players um, might have some confusion about what's actually okay. Like, I mean, think about um, Jameson's crash site or Dav's hope or even how you do high-grade emissions where it's actually apparently approved to log in and out of the game to make something respawn unnaturally. I've I've always thought that was a bit weird, um, but apparently it's endorsed. And both you and Tweaked have mentioned this thing's been going on for a long time with people botting this way. As someone who's played for only a year, I had no clue this was going on. So mm. at least to the extent that this has brought this to my awareness that this is a thing. I mean, I've participated in BGS and Power Play, didn't know that this is what I was working against. Um, uh, for a while, I was thinking, like, who's the audience for this thing? And I think the audience is um, people that are fairly new and might actually not, I mean, they're not going to jump straight to making seven accounts and botting a power play, you know, merit run. But it's kind of good to know at least what the community thinks is okay and not okay, because mm-hmm. FDev hasn't really been clear on it. And I guess FDev's the other the other audience, the other audience here. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's not going to be something that changes overnight, but at least it's good to know that the community's done what they can to state their position. A hundred percent. I I think that's between you know between us. I think that is for sure the real audience. The real audience here is FDEF. The real audience is the community trying to make enough noise that FDEF says like, well, okay, I guess it's worth it for us to make this an issue and stamp on it because they can. You can tell. Like the botters aren't even trying to hide it. They're not, it's not like there's some other games like in Eve, people have botting and whatever. And they do things where it's like, we're going to play for like eight hours and then be off for eight hours and then play it for eight hours and then be off for eight hours in elite. The botters are just going 24 seven and not even trying to hide it because you don't try to hide shit until somebody cracks down on you. It's just more efficient to go all day, every day. So yeah, I think that is the audience, and I salute that 100%, because if 
we can get enough of whatever that Frontier actually gets involved, then that's great. Jez? Yeah, talking about other games, and uh, there's a few people I've noticed that have been on the fence of it as limited that have been around the community this week, but um, keep in mind that botting isn't just macroing from A to B all the time. There's a lot of underhand shady stuff that can actually make it so you don't see them. You've played Final Fantasy fourteen, right? Oh, Guy? yeah. Oh, you're you talking about the people under the ground? And under the ground? Yeah, yeah. So, at the moment, the saving grace is that we don't have a peer-to-peer -peer economy. Well, we kind of do with Fleet Carriers, but let's face it, it's not comparable to other games, but it's a real concern if anybody's on the fence and thinking not getting involved, because if that potentially gets in the way of a feature that some of us really want in the future, the ability to have a P2P economy fully 100%. fledged, you know? 100%. Yeah, the, so the two sort of bots right now that are the things are the ones that I said that like just truck shit from A to B, and that's what the power play guys and the BGS guys use to, as an exploit. The other type of bot is the fly to one spot behind a rock and sit there and wait to die over and over in CQC, and that's what people use to just like, okay, here's my little hideaway spot, I go there and just keep killing this thing over and over and over, and that's my free padding my numbers they're both dumb. They're both bad. They both should be stopped. I'm in favor of it. So I signed the agreement. The discord for it is on the thing. I very much hope that you will join me and many, many other people in saying this is bad. I am holding limited hopes that it has immediate effect. But I think that in the long run, everyone lending their voice to this and saying, hey, cheating is bad. You're ruining the game for everyone. That, that can't do anything but help us in the long run. So please join this pledge and obviously don't use bots. I think that's fairly self-evident. All right, next up. Now I'm going to warn everybody up front. This one here is a little, you know, spicy. So mm. Reddit has a purported list of data mined new engineers. So there are right now 25 engineers in the game. And there's a guy on there who claims that he data mined and found nine new engineers. These nine new alleged engineers uh, will take the number up to 34. Uh, Frontier has already stated that all the new Odyssey engineers will be devoted to basically new stuff, Odyssey stuff. So suits, hand tools, weapons, etc. They didn't say that, but what they did say is that the new engineers will not be ships or SRVs. They said not be ships in one place, and at a different time they said not SRVs. So by process of elimination, logic tells you they're saying these are going to be suit engineers, these are going to be gun engineers, and there's potentially tool engineers. So... There's the list. The link is in the show notes to the Reddit article where you can see the picture that shows the nine new engineers. We'll see. It could also be, again, though, like we said about the other thing about the, the, the allegations of the scam thing. It could be a hoax. It could be real. We won't know until we know, but it's out there. I don't get into sort of discussing that kind of stuff when it's passed around quietly. I get stuff handed to me all the time that's like, this is some back stuff that was whatever. But once it gets posted on Reddit, it's fair game. Anybody can talk about it. It is what it is. So we're going to cover it. And that takes us to... For News Beyond the Game. 
It's Frontier News. It's Frontier News. All right, right off the bat, the streams this week were nothing to write home about. Again, this is another week of no actual responses to things, no real news as far as like, hey, what's up with this delay? Hey, what's up with this divergent release now? Um, so, meh. And it's another week of no art and actually no Bruce either. It was... Both streams were Steven and Zach, and it was like, go out there and dance while the natives get pitchforks and porches ready. So that's that. So I have a list here of questions that were previously or that were privately asked behind the scenes to Frontier that we got direct answers on. So I'm going to share them with you. <clears throat> the first question was on last week's patch. What the hell was last week's patch? The answer is, this update is an epic-only update to fix a specific issue. So it's exactly what I told you it was going to be. Then the next question, in Odyssey, can players get in and out of SRVs while on, on foot? And if so, will there be an entry-exit animation or will it be a fade-to-black transition? The answer was yes. And they've already told us we can get out on SRVs. But the answer here is yes, you can get out of your SRV. They can get in and out on foot, and it will be a transition as it is now. Well, as it is now is a fade to black, so that's what you can expect. Question. I'm not sure if this one has been asked in the channel, but what happens when players die on foot in Odyssey? For example, how and where do they respawn? Will there be a lore explanation behind respawning? The answer we're still looking through exactly how this is going to work. There's a lot of factors, and we're looking at which one works best. Uh, okay, we're this far along, and you don't know how it works, and that's your answer? Okay. Question. In this week's Q&A, the, the answer to the question, question, will spaceships be able to deploy anti-personnel vehicle bombs, missiles, appears to only address the question with regard to anti-personnel weapons. Is the omission of this response to air-to-surface anti-vehicle weaponry a deliberate one, i.e. you're not ready to discuss that yet? Or are there, in fact, no new air-to-surface weapons at all in the expansion? Answer. You can fire your weapons at ground targets, but there are no specific anti-personnel weapons, and weapons do not lock onto players. Also, bases will have point defenses to counter. This answer does not answer the question. But literally, the question was, okay, yeah, we know there's no anti-personnel air-to-ground weapons. Are there any anti-vehicle or emplacement air-to-ground weapons? Are there any new air-to-ground weapons at all coming? And the answer was no personnel ones, which is not what was asked. So, yeah, that's just whatever. Uh, question. Uh, this puzzle that started last week, is, is this a multi-part event? Answer. It is there for a reason, but we can't comment on specifics. Okay. So those are some private questions that were answered and or words were given back without an answer to. So yeah, there's that. Um, forum posts. We had the footfall question and answer sort of series. I'm just going to not waste time digging into this and say flat out, there were 10 questions. They were sort of answered. I don't think any real, like much real sort of meaty new news was in cover, was, was, was sort of 
put in with those questions and answers. I felt that it was kind of meh. You know, we'll be able to disembark on every planet. Well, some you won't because, uh, you know, whatever, high gravity or temperature or whatever. So some you won't be able to, which is okay. That's fine. I, I don't really like have a problem with that, except for the fact that there are some high gravity planets that already have settlements on them. So you can't tell me, oh, you can't get out of a car because the gravity's too high. You can't walk around there. If there's a fucking town of workers and children, family members just playing and doing their job and, you know, eating their lunch and whatever, like, okay, well, obviously those assholes can get out and walk around. Why can't I? That's that's kind of an oof, but like whatever. Is first footfall available to be claimed on every planet? And here they say like, well, not the ones that have a population. So some of the planets that are in the bubble, if you have a town on that planet already, like as I just discussed in the previous question, that one, you can't claim first footfall. And that makes sense. I get that. How does Odyssey affect the number of landable planets in game? And there, here, there's a very rough number of approximately 20% more landable planets will be added to the game. Uh, there's a lot of planets. There's going to be whatever. So, okay, well, uh, we'll see. If I join after launch, will I still be able to experience first footfall? This question right here might as well be labeled PC Master Race, everybody else fuck off. It says, you know, uh, there's lots of planets. So if you don't happen to be in the first group, it'll still be plenty for you. Okay. How quickly will first footfall accolades be claimed? As soon as you get out. It's not a question of like, oh, I have to go sell data back. It's I land, I'm there, I'm on foot, on the ground. I get the credit for it. Just the same way as when you first, uh, well, actually not the same way. It's different. So is there a limit to the number of places I can get first footfall on? No. You can go to as many places, whatever. Can first fall achievements be disputed? Like if you use some scam and cheat, whatever they're saying, yeah, our anti-botting, cheating bot stuff will be, you know, watching and we'll take it away from you if you cheat somehow. I don't, there's no news in this news. Uh, are there new discoveries, wrecks, etc., that I can get first footfall for? No, that's only for planets. We already knew that, not for points of interest. If I change my name, what happens then? It's the exact same thing as right now. If you have first mapped or first discovered, that that gets associated with the name that you had then. If you change your name, that's on you. That your names, they're not going to go back and follow you and change your names on stuff. It, it is the name that of the person that you were when you discovered it. And then the last question: What happens if two people land at, at the same time? Uh, okay, I'm going to read this one out. In the same way that Buzz Aldrin made way for Neil Armstrong to be the first man on the moon (parentheses). And uh, the other guy was stuck up in the capsule because he's a console player's close parentheses. The control, uh, the control to disembark is for an individual commander. There will always be someone first down the ladder. This accolade will not be shared between commanders. First down the ladder. Well, they already told us a week or so ago that this is a fade to back black transition. So if the fade to black transition put us like physically just you're standing on the ground in front of the ship, well, then this answer is a lie. If the fade to black transition puts you at the top of the ladder and then you walk down, well, then it's the truth and just rubbing your nose in shit for the fact that there's a transition and you don't actually get to walk over there. Those are the question and answer sections. And I know that we've got long-term fans of the show who are like, man, I don't like it when you're salty. These questions are shit and deserve a salty response. I swear to God, I'm going to pick up later on and we're going to have some fun with this, but I can't hide the fact that this is dog shit. All right, so we'll start with Roy. 
Go for it. I'm wondering if this comment about uh, first footfall not being able to be recorded where there's already populations is them walking towards a soft answer to the console BGS delay issue. Because obviously the BGS systems factions are in the bubble and many of those planets have settlements on them. So is it is this walking towards anything with a settlement that's already there you can't really get first footfall on, I wonder. Yeah, I, I dig that and I get that. And I think that you may very well be right with that. I will point out, however, that later in the thread, we got a very, very specific confirmation on something. And I'm going to read that out here because you brought it up on the divergence there. Orange Phoenix asks, I see the console first football question was tactfully avoided. It's a big shame that console commanders will be prevented from being able to ensure their first footfall on the planet of their choice. Also in future, please don't patronize us with there are plenty to choose from. The console community find this insulting. I fully understand the business decision, but it's wholly unfair in my opinion. To which community manager Bruce responded, Hey Orange Phoenix, first footfall accolades will be available from full PC launch. Actually, the first version of this was saying from PC Alpha, and then everybody was like, wait, what the fuck? You're going to record that on Alpha? And they were like, whoops, my bad. I didn't say mean that. I'm going to edit it. From full PC launch. I understand you and other players, blah, 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 blah. But basically, they have confirmed unquestionably here in this statement by a community manager on the official forums that we are not suspending first footfall for console players. Get over it. It is PC players first and console players we'll see you in November. All right. So that's, I just wanted to sort of respond to that. Uh, Jez was up on new planets. Go for it. So there are sort of 20% planets, um, very, very arbitrary. IGAU and um, EDAstro.com have done a statistical analysis of the data that they have seen from screenshots and videos, and they've gone over their logs to see the composition of the galaxy as we know it. And there are, there's actually a, a an odd specific um, estimation of how many new planets there will be rather than arbitrary percentage. So once I have all of that together, I will share it in the Elite Week um, Discord uh, when we've got that video up. In addition to that, I'm going to point out that if you check out the Elite Week, not Elite Week, sorry, the Elite Dangerous Wiki, the official Elite Dangerous Wiki, under Planetary Landings Overview, they say players are able to land on various planets, yada, yada, yada which make up 61% of the planet types in the Milky Way galaxy. So if you increase it by 20%, then you're adding an additional, you're, you're taking that up from 61 to 73% of the total planets in the, the Milky Way galaxy will now be um, landable. And then that would mean that the remaining, if it's 73%, then the remaining 27% of all of the planets would be either water worlds, earth-like worlds, uh, gas giants, or ammonia worlds. Some composition of those remainder. I don't know where Elite Wiki get got that answer, but I'm just relaying it that it's on the official wiki. And I mean, wikis, though, anybody can say anything, so who knows? Real quick, we're going to have boss lady that's going to hop in after boss lady we're going to have uh roy and then after roy is tweet so you guys go in order so i just wanted to highlight that point about the fact that first footfall is instantly recorded yeah right <laughs> so yeah that's really interesting and 
what it says to me, and maybe this is just drawing a line um, between two dots, but uh, it says that maybe first footfall is not like a cartographic first discovery where you get that added bonus, or maybe you still do get credits for the first footfall, but it just is automatically recorded. That's it's kind of seems like it's a whole new system being added in. And um, yeah, it's just, it's kind of nice because if you get blown up, you don't lose that first footfall. It, it seems like an odd choice. And I didn't realize this until Kai read it out. I'm just puzzled why they would make that choice and not make it like every other cartographic kind of discovery. There's there's apparently some reason for it, but I'm struggling to figure out what it is. Or do they even know that they made that choice? Maybe they really don't know which way it's going to go yet. Kind of feels that way. Maybe. I don't know. I And, and sort of along the same lines, the whole... Uh, Buzz Aldrin example. I, I believe, I believe that answer is based on a false premise that somehow Buzz Aldrin was happy with that situation. Um, mm. I think, I think Buzz Aldrin was a consummate professional and an astronaut who supported the program. And so, I mean, I don't know how accurate HBO's so, From Earth to the Moon series was, but I had the impression there was a little bit of before they got there, while they were still on Earth, maybe there was some discussion about technically who's supposed to get out <laughs> of the thing first, because there's an engineering reason why maybe he should have gotten out first and not have to maneuver around each other inside the capsule. But at the end of the day, he followed orders. That mm -hmm. doesn't seem to me to be equivalent to, I'm going to let somebody else get, get first footfall because I'm having fun. Like that's there, There's a false well, equivalency there. There is, but let's be honest. You're talking about a video game maker. They don't really need to do So the truth is, the actual full story of Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong was that pre-launch, Buzz Aldrin argued in favor of the fact that since Neil was the mission commander, the military protocol would be that Buzz should go first because if something happened and Buzz died, Neil as the mission commander would be responsible for, you know, leaving, coming back. And like, it, it's, it, there's a military protocol for that. Uh, yeah. You're going to have the enlisted man leave before the officer, just in case, whatever, in, in case there's some, because it's a first and you have unknown risks. You, you don't send through the general first, you send a private. Yeah, he could have sunk seven feet into the dust or something. And, and the response back from the engineers was literally that because Neil is closer to the door, there's not enough room for you to get around him. It was Neil that was closer to the hatch. And because of mm. that, they out, they, they, they said, they shouted down Buzz's argument and, it was a situation where, by my read from the memoirs and from, from the statements that were made of people that were around that, Neil didn't argue. He just sat there with a the smile while the engineers <laughs> told Buzz, go fuck yourself. Neil has to go first because with the pack on, if you try to get around him, you're going to damage. And in fact, in the moving around of everything... They did damage the lunar module, the lunar lander. They damaged it. And at the end, when they got to the point where they were on a immediate, like, you have to take off now in order to make the whatever, there was a circuit that was screwed. And Neil actually fixed it by jamming a pen into the slot to close the circuit because they were like, oh, fuck, we're going to miss our we're going to miss the rendezvous with the with the uh was the that, orbiting you know, capsule. It was Buzz that did that. But anyway, I, I, I yeah, agree. Yeah. Yeah. So it was in the end, yeah, but you're you're absolutely right. And we're up on tweaks point, yeah. Well, I'm mm -hmm. just wondering when we're going to get to the point of some honesty here. This is the third week in a row since they announced the delay, the staggered release. We've gotten zero information. Almost zero information. Not only are they not telling us anything, the information they are showing putting in front of us like the the banana before the monkey 
is stuff that we've all already known. They've answered it multitude different ways throughout all the dev diaries and everything else we've had through the month. And they just keep on acting like everything's fine. There's nothing to see here. We're good. Everything's fine. And it's quite honestly getting incredibly frustrating. Mm. I mean, I think they know. I think even Steven, who was there, even Steven, who was there in the last, uh, you know, stream, he was like, yes, no, we have nothing to say about, we have nothing to say about that. I know you're frustrated. We're frustrated. Everybody's frustrated. I think it's literally a situation of behind the scenes, decisions are being made soon. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I, I'm, I know you guys, I sound like an asshole constantly saying soon, maybe next week, whatever. But eventually, they have to get an answer. And once they get an answer, then, you know, okay, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be good to go. But right now, they're still you know the the question where they were like well we don't know what happens when you die we're trying to figure that out and they've already answered on a couple other things we don't know what happens with that we're trying to figure that out okay well then clearly you don't have your shit close to together yet i wish you luck in whatever because i do i love frontier i love the i love you guys i love your game i'm i am like tweaked frustrated as all fuck right now but like okay get your shit together and when you do as soon as you get your shit together Speak honestly to us, please. We need it. It's It's been missing. There was a lot, a lot of gains made in the community relations where, because I mean, let's be honest, for a good solid year and a half there, people were just shitting on every stream in the chat hardcore on the community management team. And then, and then art came on and things started to swing around and then the production sort of schedule of of elite dangerous as a as a as a property kicked into the next phase and things started to change and galnet came back and cgs came back and there was more openness and more communication and there was more positive whatever. a lot of ground was made and i feel like most if not all of that has washed away in the last month of of wait seriously still no answer don't tell us that things are changing it's a new day you're going to be open with us and then feed us this shit so all i can say is i really hope soon tm that that changes back that it flips back to the other way but a lot of the good ground that has been made has washed away jess you had a thing on galcop Swinging it back around a little bit, um, about first footfall being instant, way back in the late 1984, there was a system called Galcop, which is a way that they used to issue credit gains for getting bounty hunters. So if they are going to go some law reason behind first footfall being instantaneous, and people are interested in, in knowing how Elite has handled instant payouts before, it's well worth getting out there and looking up what Galcop is if if you're interested. Next up, we've got Galnet news articles. So right off the bat, February 1st, the Alliance election delayed due to Galactic Summit, aka we have to push back this section of the story because we've delayed the game. Uh, February 2nd, core dynamics implicated in Starship 1 sabotage. Dun, dun, dun. February 3rd, uh, Empire denies the existence of the secret prison. Nothing to see here, folks. Our secret prison, it's not there. Uh, February 4th, Engineers Enhanced Missile Rack Initiative. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And then February 5th, uh, today, in fact, Jupiter Rochester named in Starship One trial. Uh, the jury is now sequestered to determine the verdict. There's all kinds of stuff. It seems like, oh, you know, Jupiter may be on the run heading to his, this new section, this new system where uh, they've sort of bought it out and taken it over and they're now renamed, you know, Jupiter Division. So this is cool. The story... 
You know, this is uh, in the permit lock system, HIP 54530. The story is progressing and new shit is happening. And that's exciting and very, 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 very cool. I dig it. Next up, we've got the community goal for this week. So this is an ongoing community goal, the Enhanced Missile Rack Initiative. It's currently uh, just, you know, just getting kicked in. It's it's a slow start, but this is going to pick up. First off, I want to congratulate Frontier for this is what the fourth or fifth I've lost track of our community goals that we've suggested they do and that they're doing. So, hey, big salute to you. We said, hey, Frontier, have people do different things. Don't mind the meta. Have us mind something else. Have us bring something to a place to unlock a thing in the universe. That would be cool. Now, when we said unlock a thing, we were thinking bigger. We were thinking a new ship or a new SRV type, but this is unlocking a engineered module. So for those who have not been paying attention, if you remember back when they first introduced the double engineered module, it was Liz Ryder's amazing rack. It was a missile rack that was lightweight and extra ammo. That's awesome, but you could only get one. And when they introduced it, everybody was like, holy shit, is this a thing we're going to be able to engineer now? And Frontier said, no, 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 you can't, you can't, we can't. Nope, that's going to throw off the balance of things. Then later, with some other modules, people were like, oh, but I missed out on the double extra jump range fuel FSD. I, I missed out on the double uh, PDC. I missed out on the double uh, DSS, the, the, the detailed surface scanning probe. And Frontier has heard you. Um, I can tell you that I have privately spoken with Frontier in the background, and they have stated that while they're not making any promises now, the official statement that was made was, yeah, we understand that some people are sort of frustrated or upset, I think specifically about the FSD more than any of the other ones, but that people were upset that they may have missed out on something. And so we're looking at this as a way that we can grant it through the technology broker so that people can have access to it. People who missed out can can not miss out. They can get it a different way. Now, they haven't committed to it yet, but they have obviously done the first one and they've made private comments to the extent of like, yeah, we, we just kind of want to alleviate the pressure of people. Specifically, there was a lot of people that were pissed off for missing out on the FSD one, because that was the one where they moved the goalpost, where they said, we're only going to give it to the top 25%. And then they said, ah, we'll give it to actually the top 75%. They were nicer. And somehow that pissed people off. Well, okay, you fucking crybabies, you're going to get your thing. So yay, that's good. I think it's awesome. I want to give them a huge salute. Number one, for taking another Elite Week uh, uh, community goal. That's great. Do that. Keep doing that. We gave you several other suggestions. The one about driving the SRV, an SRV-based CG. Come on, people. Are you not excited? I'm excited. Whatever. Uh, and, and then also, too, for figuring out a way to give people access to this thing that is, you know, a thing that, 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 that people want. So, yay. Uh, Roy, hop in. Yeah, just a quick point. I, th I just want to give them kudos for creating this mechanic to use tech brokers again. Um, I mean, when they had that discount where you could unlock stuff for half price, I went through and, un and did all that. And I'm oh, thinking, yeah. you know, this is a cool this is a cool mechanic, but I'm never going to be here again. I, I think it's great that they've tied these two things together. It's just It just sort of revives 
a mechanic in the game. And I think it's clever that they connected them. So kudos for that. A hundred percent. Now the people that in- get involved in this CG, the top 75% will again get a free module that's double engineered. So everyone go and get your hands on Liz Ryder's rack. It's awesome. Yeah, I know what I said. I know what I said. <laughs> Fuck off. <clears throat> Let's see here. Next up, we've got Elite Week Race News. The Buckyball Racers have a new race that just started within the last couple of hours, and it runs until next Sunday. It started at midnight UTC, which is like, what, two hours ago, whatever, an hour ago. It's there. It's going. It's live. Go get in on it. We talked all about it on yesterday's show. I did the, the special interview with Alec Turner yesterday. In the links to the show notes for yesterday's show, it has the Discord for the Buckyball Racers. It has the forum post for this race. It has the website for, for the, the Buckyball Racers that has this race. It has the cool journal that Alec uh, made with all of his stuff on the um, uh, his trip to Colonia, there's there's great shit in there. So go and check all of that out. Please check out yesterday's show. I hope you enjoy it. It's short. It's 45 minutes. It's good stuff. Next up, we've got Tweaked with his report on the performance of Elite Dangerous on the new Xbox. Tweaked, take it away. Yeah, I was lucky enough to finally get my hands on a new Xbox Series X. I've been debating for a while whether to jump the boat over to pc or get the series x but with my opix community strong on the xbox and quite honestly the thought of beginning the grind on elite dangerous from square one was haunting and i did not want to do that i finally made up and i got myself a series x and i am happy to confirm just like the report that we had uh, about a month or so ago before the series x came out Elite Dangerous runs better than I've ever seen it on this machine. I've probably played close to 10 hours or so on on the Series X with Elite, and I've had zero bugs, no lag in the CZs, no disconnects, no mob adders or scarlet crates or any of that kind of stuff that I used to get from time to time. Details are incredible. I can see the textures and the granular details of the planet before I come down into uh, in, into the glide. I could not before. The detail of the stations when you get closer to them, they're just it's unbelievable the, the difference in the graphics and the frame rate of the game. Everything is running so smooth and I couldn't be more pleased with the way this is going so far. Beautiful. That's awesome, man. That's hey, one While piece of good not news. A lot of great console news. Yeah. <laughs> with the leak, this is the piece. If you're like me and you've already invested all this time and effort on console, it's going to play amazing when you get to these new consoles. Beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. Which takes us to our very next segment, which is the Roy story. So enjoy, people. We now return to our Inara Commander series with Unisaka Shiro's Unbound Part 18 Crossroads and Part 19 Insurance with Commander Audaxius playing the role of Logan Valberg. Glad to hear you were able to find the leak and fix it, said Zillard. That should make the rest of your trip much safer. She was in the lounge with Valberg and Sakashiro having a final breakfast before leaving Amundsen Terminal. Without you, we wouldn't even know that my ship was a Trojan horse, said Valberg. Sakashiro stared at the ramen bowl in front of her, stirring the noodles with a pair of chopsticks. Without me, there would be no reason to turn your ship into a Trojan horse in the first place. None of this is your fault, Yuna, said Zillard. Valberg nodded in agreement. They continued eating. Sakashiro laid down the chopsticks. 
I want to go back, she said, to the bubble. Valberg almost dropped his sandwich. Are you kidding? I've been thinking about it since last night. I don't want to spend the rest of my life running away from them. You won't have to. If we go to Colonia, lay low, just for a while, there's a good chance the ISA will lose interest in you. Vargas didn't lose interest in me for ten years. His being at the shipyard was a coincidence. And he's dead now. He won't be bothering you anymore. You saw what happened yesterday. Zillard shook her head. They're angry because you killed one of their agents. They want to make an example of you. They likely think they did, since they destroyed your ship. If you stay out of their scanning range for a while, they'll think you're dead and close the case. Sakashiro was visibly upset. You don't understand. Vargas will never leave me alone. He's been in my head for years, giving me nightmares. I don't want to be passive anymore. I want to fight these people. I want them to stop messing up even more lives. Her eyes filled with tears. Why can't you understand? Zillard watched her outburst, then got up from her seat. Logan, can I talk to you for a moment, outside? Valberg looked at Sakashiro and hesitated. Then he followed Zillard. Don't let her do that to herself, Logan. You have to understand, she just went through a near-death experience the other day. Her mind is messed up. She cannot think straight, said Zillard. Valberg had joined her in the corridor between the lounge and the restrooms. If that's what she wants to do, how can I stop her? He asked and shrugged. If necessary, knock her out and drag her all the way to Colonia by her feet. Caveman style. This isn't funny, Vera. I know, you are in a tough spot, Logan. I don't envy you. But if she's dear to you and you want her to leave, you'll find a way to talk her out of that freedom fighter nonsense. I'm triple elite with more than two decades of experience and sometimes barely manage to save my own ass. How is she going to save others? The world out there will just chew her up and spit her out without a thought. When Valberg and Zillard returned from the restroom area to the lounge, Sakashiro was no longer alone. A man in his forties wearing a black suit was sitting at the table in front of her. Valberg instantly recognized him. He grabbed Zillard's arm. Wait, he whispered. She saw the man. Who is that? Police. Shit, she whispered. Sakashiro watched Valberg walk away with Zillard. She looked around and realized that the only other person left in the room with her in this early morning hour was the barkeeper. But then she saw the lounge's main door open. A man in a formal black suit walked in. He looked around. When he saw her, he approached her table. Are you Miss Yuna Sakashiro? He asked. Yes, she said. David Lewis, Galactic Insurance Company. I've been looking for you, he said with a friendly smile and offered a handshake. She accepted. Nice to meet you, Mr. Lewis. He sat down in front of her. As you might imagine, I'm here because of the ship you lost yesterday, a Sidewinder Mark I, call sign SA-14S. I've been told you were interdicted and attacked by an Imperial ship. Yes, I was. His face expressed empathy. That's unfortunate, he said. I'm glad you survived the incident without serious injury. I was lucky, she said. Ms. Sakashiro, I'm happy to inform you that a replacement ship of identical type has been provided by the GIC and is waiting for you in the hangar as we speak. Wow, you guys are fast, she said. And proud of it, he added and smiled. Our customer service policy requires me to hand over the ship to you personally so you can confirm that its loadout is correct before signing the transaction document. So if you don't mind, I would like to take you to the hangar now and show you your new ship. Don't go with him, it's a trap. Rhodes looked up. Mr. Valberg, he said, I had a feeling we would meet again. 
Logan, what's going on? Do you know this guy? She asked. He's federal police. He has no jurisdiction on the ground here, but he can arrest you if you board his ship. Her face turned pale. Rhodes stood up, pulled a gun from a holster below his jacket, and pointed it at her head. She'll come with me, Mr. Valberg. Dead or alive, that's up to you. Talking to Valberg, he failed to notice the woman approaching him from behind. The resonant metallic sound of a fire extinguisher connecting with his skull was the last thing he heard. Sillard's blow knocked him over sideways. He fell between the chairs and dropped his gun. Sakashiro rushed to kneel down and pick it up. When she rose from between the tables, she saw the barkeeper pull a smart pad out of a pocket. Freeze! She yelled and ran over to him, pointing the gun at him. Drop it on the bar and step back. He did as he was told. She kept the gun on him while her other hand picked up his smart pad. Let's get out of here, said Valberg. Right on. Never trust an insurance guy. It's been always in my role, how I live my life. All right. So I want to say right off the bat, we're taking a two-week season break on the Unisakashiro story. Uh, we're going to come back in two weeks with a uh, season of some Mac Winston stories. And we will also be continuing down the line with Yuna as well. And I want to call for a writer submissions. If you are a writer and are, you know, you have these uh, Nara stories or other stories that you want to link, you can get in touch with us on the Discord, the Elite Week Discord. You can write at Elite Week, uh, Elite Week 3306 at gmail.com. Uh, or you can, well, yeah, do one of those two. That's, that's best. Um, and we can, you know, you ask for Roy and, uh, get in touch. Uh, but the Unisakashiro story, uh, this has been a great season and I like that he left it at this sort of a cliffhanger of like, Hey, let's, uh, let's go from here now to this other one. But, but you guys are going to be sort of anxious to like, well, I want to find out what happens to you in it too. So it's, yeah, it's like a TV show where they leave you on the dun, dun, dun. And then you want to hear more of the other stuff. So that's great. I'm super, super excited. Let's move on to the discussion topics. First discussion topic is this week's awesome CG. We already sort of discussed it when we talked about the CG, but what are your thoughts on it with regard to you know, uh, all of the things, both unlocking the double engineered modules and Frontier taking our ideas for cool CG ideas. And, and let's give credit because we've called out Frontier on some shit where they've gotten wrong lately. Let's give them credit for this. This is cool. This is new. This is different. And I like it. And I want to salute them for it. Next up, I have an idea. Basically, Frontier, uh, Elite Dangerous rather, is a live game service. That's what they call it. I think that they should add a position, add an employee to Frontier, that is, or two or three, whatever, but add some employees that are game masters for their live game service. What does that mean? Generally, what I'm talking about here is the CGs and the and the Galnet stories should still be handled by Lawrence, the game director, and the writing team as they have been. But I like the idea of having uh, an employee or two or three that cover different so time zones, for example, that their job is to keep the live game, to be a game master for the live game. They have access to limited assets like art assets and, and whatever, and they could spawn a thing. They could <clears throat> spawn in pirates that attack a certain area 
or they could deal with player groups and see, oh, this is happening. This cool thing is going to be happening that the, you know, fuel rats are doing. Let's support that. This cool thing that the buckyballs ballers are going to be doing. Let's support that. Let us, uh, you know, sort of add in some assets here and there and whatever. And this, this would be a couple of people, like I said, maybe get one on the European time zone and one on, you know, East, uh, uh, East, Eastern hemisphere, Western hemisphere time zone. And say like, Oh, you're going to do a race at whatever time. Let's put some assets down to help you with that, to make this thing. Let's get a hold of the dark wheel initiative. And what are you guys doing? Oh, you're doing that. Okay. Here's how we can support it. Here's how a thing we can do with it. Oh, let's get a hold of, you know, uh, 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 Father Bill and his group is doing whatever. Okay, let's let's look into this. Let's support this. Let's whatever. It's just a thing that they could do to make things easier or harder, but basically make sort of the game alive and do some stuff with this. That is side A of it is that. Side B of the exact same guy's position or girl's guy or gal's position would be a quality issue, quality of life issue of the month. So this same person that would be the game master, because let's be honest, the devs don't play the game the way that we do. They What's important to us isn't what's important to them, and it shouldn't be. They, they're coming at it from a different viewpoint. The community managers don't play the game the way that we do. They're not seeing what's important to us the way that we're seeing what's important. There's different sort of things. So the idea would be to have somebody that is the game master that has more sort of direct contact with us, that sees what's important to us over the short and long term. And that person could also help in evaluating this, the next idea, which is the quality of life issue of the month. So Frontier, I think, should open up a thread where they say, we're going to designate uh, you know, uh, two days a month of, of a developer's time or three days, whatever, of a developer's time to dealing with the quality of life issue. We're, we're setting aside some time for this. <clears throat> and if you remember from our show a couple of weeks ago, we had a long list of quality of life issues that we think could be addressed. So the idea is players submit ideas in a thread. <clears throat> this person who is the game master uh, and, and kind of sees what's important to us or whatever, deals with a developer and they look on the back end like what's feasible what's a thing that we can do with a little bit of tweak tweak here and a little cut here and a little change there what can we do without a massive outlay of time that could just be a nice small behind the scenes quality of life addition to the game things like the bookmark issue that we discussed things like hey why do you have a jettison all cargo button get the hell get rid of that things like shouldn't we have a just a you know request docking button one key that you can hit that or, or that you can assign to your hotess to request docking things like shouldn't we have a one button you know deploy srv or recall like all of the little things like this that you could literally just with a short period of time do but that they don't see things like the merits shouldn't we be able to just buy all and just tell me what the price is little things that not, don't require i'm not talking about oh we're going to add in a new planet we're going to add in a whole new gameplay loop we're going to add in whatever but just little things that they could do quickly so the idea with that is you put the thread the the game master who sees more kind of what we see and the devs work behind the scenes to limit it down to like three issues three things where they say hey these three quality of lives these are all easily doable and you know we can do this with a short amount of effort 
and time. And then the players vote them up. So it's not that the players have full control to say, ah, give me Roxla. Cause it's like, oh fuck, man, that's a lot of work. Oof. Or like, give me, let me, I want a date with Ashley Duvall. Like, no, that's not happening. Like, it needs to be a thing where the company has the control over the parameters of saying you can choose A, B, or C because these are all things we can deliver fairly easily. And then you put it out there and the community votes. And whatever we vote up the most, they say, okay, you guys voted for bookmarks this week or, or month, rather. Like, assign a person to do that. So uh, we've got first... Jez on the Game Master thing. Go for it. So I've been actually advocating this idea for almost a year when I've been on stream about power play and how a GM could potentially, or a somebody at Frontier or some trusted source could potentially just show up in a ship acting differently from an NPC ship with the power play leaders just going around with reverberating Cascade and taking people out, such as Archon Delane, the pirate guy. Because if you think about it, if they were to do things like this, it takes another element on top of Galnet, and it goes back to one of the most enjoyed things the community has had, and that was Salome where it was a lore character controlled by somebody. And, you you know, if it, th I just think that's lightning in a bottle mm -hmm. that they could take. I mean, just imagine if you had What's-His-Face uh, on the run. <laughs> you are Drew, but the fellow that I've, I, I love, I love the Starship One lore, but my yeah. head isn't. Jupiter um, Rochester. Yeah. Mm. Imagine if he was to show up in a non-NPC behaving ship mm -hmm. and we had to chase him down. Mm-hmm. People and, lose their mind. That's the lightning in a bottle. We're giving them... I mean, just do it, you know? And a GM could... A, a game master, like I said, they would have access to a limited tool set where they're behind the scenes with the dev saying, like, give me the ability to spawn in 20 escort ships that are going to be like their their job is to fly from a to b and to you know def, uh, uh, they're all set just like an slf you set defend me okay these are 20 ships that are set to defend x you know there's things that they could do behind the scenes so imagine archon delane shows up and you have to repel him or Ro jupiter rochester shows up and you get to chase him or imagine um something you know related to the dark wheel or something related to uh uh lave radio or 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 to you know just this group or that group, this play group, there's something involving the Hutton truckers, you know, the evil dastardly Don Antonacci shows up and he's like, I'll get you. Like, it could be cool, fun shit that's just in there. Roy, you're up. I, I really appreciate what Jez just said and, and your response to that between the two of them, I think just crystallized for me what this actually is. And um, it's it's like the theater kids get to play with you, you know, and they they have these powers and they can... They have enough knowledge about the game that they they do things in a way that are relevant for the players. Mm -hmm. um, I think the Salome example was great because um, I was for a while I was sort of struggling with this idea of like how is how is the game master different from like what the community management team is trying to do? But the reality is the community management team is a is a marketing tool and they're not in the game. And so this is a very different thing. This is this is literally a real-time in-game interface between FDev and the players. And it's it's obviously something that's missing right now because they could do all kinds of things in an agile way. That's the other thing is this is something that once they develop the toolkit, this could be done on a minute-to-minute -minute basis. Like if you trust someone enough to give them this role and they're a creative 
a creative uh, person that knows the vision of where you want things to go, then they can really add some flavor and life to the galaxy. So I've, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this idea. And just as important as understanding the flavor of where you want to go is understanding their limitations. You could get a person, an employee, who knows, most importantly, what not to touch. You, you know, no, we're not going to talk about Raxla because this guy knows like that is a fucking you touch that button, you die. Like, no, cause you, you can't fuck with the big story. You're This is all about the small story, the human story, the little things here and there where, you yeah, know, you spawn the, in a pirate that's the little attack. bits that. Yeah, that's the little bits that make the, the universe come to life. Right. Sure. Stuff that's filling in the gaps everywhere. A hundred percent. That's the that is the slice of life aspect of the game. Tweaked. Hop in on this. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but Jez, that's a brilliant idea. It would be fascinatingly fun to have the pirate lord Arcane Delane behind them. Oh. <laughs> Pop into a system and have to fend them off or go defend <laughs> Space Khaleesi's ship or something like that that they could do. That would be amazingly fun. What I was going to say is this person, this quote-unquote GM, they got to find their Dave Filoni from the Star Wars universe. They got to find mm. their person that understands truly loves and truly has an in-depth understanding of the elite dangerous universe how it works why it works the way it works flavor the the feeling of the game of the of the world that we all play in the galaxy that we play in they need to find somebody that truly has that passion and then on the on the the body of life of the month or of the quarter or whatever it would be for me they're the ones that they could do Pretty easily, I would believe, would be the mat grind. Add the manufactured mats onto mission rewards. I don't see where that would take a whole lot of developers' time, and it would solve a lot of people's heartaches, and it would add to the game. Hey, Tweak, I'm about to blow your mind. Ready? How about you have to defend against an Archon Delane attack, and when you do successfully defend and repel, you get a reward of uh, pharmaceutical isolators. <gasps> I put chocolate in your peanut butter. I put peanut butter Take in your chocolate. Money. <laughs> this is gonna be yes. Calm down. All right, boss lady. Uh, so along that line, it would be really neat if that GM or whoever that person was had the ability to add in player group related NPC names. So they just did this whole contest for the station names and adding that in. And I know in the Kickstarter that was part of it, but wouldn't it be neat if some of these characters that have been created by, you know, player groups could become NPCs as well. Mm, that could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot behind that whole thing where it's like, what you would need is not so much a person as first a system, a mechanism where they're clearly defined. These are the tools you have to play with. These are the, this is your scope. You can play within here to there. You can make a, a monthly PVE mission chain, as Matthias is saying in the chat, where it's like, look, we have this mission that turns into this mission and then chains into that mission. What if we put in a thing where you randomly, you know, they, they say, hey, in this system, you know, this over the weekend, the strange things are about. And then people go there and they're like, whoa, there's a weird new chain where they've added three missions and limited time. It's a thing. It goes here and boom, it pays out engineering mats or it pays out you know something something cool and different so all right uh we're gonna go with jez and then we're gonna move to the next topic i think also what you're saying there about some kind of linear um gameplays that would help new players get invested into the game um especially seems as that feels like what odyssey is about is to get a whole new demographic of players 
So sandboxes are great, but we need we need a little something to hold our hand to get us invested in the universe and then set us free. That's the way I feel. Beautiful. All right. So the next discussion topic is, and this was a weird one. So bear with me for a moment here. Uh, I started a conversation uh, in the back room of Lave Radio in the in the recording, you know, the private channel uh, that the crew has, and we had a discussion with regard to the funding model of Elite Dangerous. Now we all praise Elite Dangerous when you com- you know compare it to something like Star Citizen. Star Citizen, let's be honest, is sort of pay to win unabashedly right now, and they say, well, it's, it's just while we're developing whatever. And I love about Elite that it is um, not pay to win. It is, number one, you know, you, it's amazing that it's free. You don't have to even pay a monthly subscription. And in addition to that, their cash shop, unlike some other cash shops, has cosmetic items only. And, and David Braben has always been committed to that. And I love that about the game. However, let me suggest something just for a moment, how we should maybe look into this, how we should adjust our thinking. The way that the funding model stands right now, Elite Dangerous gets all of its money basically from one of two things. A new player is sort of added or a new item is added. So when they add a new ship, lots of existing commanders buy new paint jobs for that new ship. Coming up in the very new future, uh, when near to intermediate, who knows, when we get Odyssey, They're going to make all of the monies on people wanting cool boots and leather jackets and whatever the fuck. Yes, they're going to make a ton of money on that. But in general, outside of a major content patch or a new thing coming out, where Elite Dangerous makes most of its money is on new players. Because you get people like me who has, I've already bought the Midnight Black paint job for every item that you can get it for in the game. And... I've already had it for over a year. And so it's like, well, okay. Then it's not like when they're like, oh, here we go. We've got a new, you know, ship skin for the Mamba. I'm like, yeah, I got the sexiest one already. I'm good. Um, in a way, when you look at it from that viewpoint, it, it incentivizes Frontier to place more weight on the opinions and drawing in of new players than in the retention of existing players. I think there's a, a argument to be made that under their current model, where I've already bought all the cosmetics that I want and I'm not paying any monthly fee, they're not as incentivized to give a fuck about what I think. Whereas if there were other games where you have a monthly subscription, there is much more of an incentive of the marketing department and the management to listen to what their long-term players think and want because you're protecting that $12 a month. And if you look at somebody that, hey, this is a $12 a month income that has been here for the last five years, I want to listen to what this guy says because it's important to me to keep that $12 a month coming in times a thousand, eight hundred thousand, a million, whatever players that adds up to money. Whereas as it stands now, I think there could potentially be, if you look at it from that viewpoint, there could be an incentive for Frontier to say, let's come out with a new flashy thing every year or so. Everybody comes back and plays for a month or two. They buy the new skins and paint jobs and boots and whatever the fuck goes with the new stuff. They play for three months, then they fuck off and they're not on our server load. 
And then we'll come out with a new thing for them to get excited about in a year or two. But in the meantime, what we're caring about all day, every day is new players, new players, new players. Bring them in, churn them in. And in the first three to six months, they'll spend a lot of money on shit. So that's sort of the thought behind this. And I'm not calling out Frontier saying like, they should change this or whatever. I'm just saying maybe we as players need to be mindful of the fact that they might be looking at this differently from us. And so sometimes when there's a thing that they do that makes us scratch our head and say, why the hell would you do that? It's because maybe their goals and our goals are sort of coming from two different viewpoints and don't exactly align. So uh, let's start with Boss Lady B. Go for it. All right. So this is actually a really interesting idea, not the subscription. Don't you dare. Don't you even put that idea in their head. Um, but the season pass, I think that a lot of games do this. The example I can use is PUBG. They have a season pass and you can spend $10 on it, right? And you you can progress by getting XP from doing tasks you do anyway. And it would be something that could create reasons to go, you know, do CQC, do 10 CQC matches and you unlock, you know, this much XP for your season pass. And then that unlocks, you know, limited time paint or skins or something cosmetic, nothing important, but people get really into that. And they're like, oh, you missed that one season pass. And, you know, it's actually, it's just a $10. You don't have to do it, but you can, if you love the game and, mm. you know, kind of something interesting like that. That is that is definitely one way to look at it. Another way, just a thought off the top of my head, would be what if they were to commit to every year putting out an expansion? Maybe a smaller, not not as big of whatever, but every year a solid, okay, here's a chunk of a thing. And you can buy it if you want it. And people can look and decide for themselves. And it's still free to play, but here's a thing. And if you incentivize some of that new stuff towards some of the older players, you get them on a treadmill of... You're giving your instead of you designing a game towards other people that are new, you're designing a game towards your core group that is already happy. You're giving them things that make them more happy and they're giving you money to make them happy. That seems like the oldest profession in the. Oh, wait, no, something else. All right. Uh, <laughs> Roy, hop in. Uh, well, first, just a thread on Boss Lady's idea. I've I've been in the season pass with Warframe and Destiny, and I actually liked aspects of both. I don't think either one perfectly hit the mark because there's sort of a balance between um, seeing things you can get from the season pass and then suffering from FOMO, like oh my god, I have to play this every week or else I miss out on things. So, so there's some there's some nuance there that's required, but it's it's a very powerful mechanic, and and I think this threads into what I wanted to say was there's this huge group of players that have played for years, and and even going all the way back to the Kickstarter and Lifetime Expansion Pass, and it's like, how do you maintain that group's relevance if, as you say, FDev's now focused on new players, and I don't know, maybe there's a, I don't want to say subscription either, but is there any way that you could have that group opt to re-up or do something? Because it's sort of like, this is like this, I don't know, old council that was around some of them way back in the beginning that got to participate with developers in in doing things in the pre-alpha and participating in the forums and David Braben would be there. And like that was like the heyday of the golden age of the birth of the game. And now it's like, 
that whole crowd, and I'm one of that crowd, mm. is kind of riding on their laurels because, let's face it, haven't had to put a dime into the game except through arcs, which is like once you've bought all the paint jobs, then what do you do? Um, how do you how do you keep that group that was passionate enough to support it in the beginning? And I'm, I would venture a guess, and I don't know if I'll get hate mail for this, but a large portion of them might be ready to support again if it meant that they could have some more, you know, consideration in how things were decided so that it wasn't so heavily against or heavily, heavily decided by the economics of new players. Very, very excellent point. And I would like to add an addendum. I think a thing that that you will be able to spend money on soon. I know, Roy, that you've been waiting for neon pink hot pants and you're going to get. Oh, God. (laughs) You guessed it. All right. So I saw Tweaked and, and Jez both threw in some gers on this. Do you guys have anything to add, or was it just, or was it just down with season passes? Oh, no, I got something to add. Go for it. You know me. I've got something to say. First of all, if FDev wants some more money from me, there is a way to do that. And if it's ten bucks a month, <laughs> if it's ten bucks every few months, create some kind of a story campaign that I can go through to get me invested in this universe, to get me invested in these characters would pay for that that being said they're ignoring their large player base that they have because let's be fair the largest group of players that this game has right now are those of us that have been here for a long time yes there's a lot of new players but i would venture to say the majority of the players have a ton of experience behind us now they're ignoring us and going for the shiny new and then they're kind of going away from david braven love child this was his baby he created elite all those years ago this is his creation that he nurtured and loves now is he willing to forego that just so they can become the flavor of the month and make as much money possible yes they're a business i get it they're that they want to make money that's the goal of their company i think part of him and hopefully a large part of him also wants to go down in history as one of the greatest video games ever created and if they went that other route that would be flushed down the toilet in a heartbeat well that's why i was trying to suggest the middle ground there of a way that they can both incentivize money generating and please the existing player base and i was thinking that if they had a situation where you know they had every nine months 10 months a year whatever every whatever they had uh because like guild wars one did that like there's there's some other games where they'll come out with like small they're built on a it's not hey this is the world of warcraft every two years big fuck off expansion of like but they do like they might do every two years like a big expansion like that. Have one team working on that that they this is the big every two years expansion thing but have another team working on sort of smaller DLC mini expansion stuff where it's like, we've come out with, you know, these 10 things. They're, they're smaller things, but they, they have the ability to do this, that, and the other. And I, I get, I'm not a programmer. I'm sure there's like, no idiot. That's a problem because then you have all these multiple versions you have to deal with or whatever. But I, I'm just trying to think outside the box here of like, what can they do that that they can literally, it's like, let's make this a bribe. I am a long-term player who wants, I don't give a fuck about shooting people in the face with the gun. I care about the plant gun part. I care about the salvaging part. I care about the, 
mining on foot or mining on an SRV part that is now we've been told is for sure cut out of this expansion maybe will come in the future. I care about the landing on water worlds. I care about I care about stuff that's not the standard FPS bullshit. So like is there a way that we can get stuff where it's like hey this is the mining on the planet expansion. It's a mini expansion and it costs, you know, 12 bucks. You want it? Like, you know, something like that every year where we give them a small hit of money that they can, if you take a small hit of money though, among the existing player base, that might be that it turns out that they're like, hey, this is well worth it for us. I hope. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, we've got Jez, then we've got Boss Lady, then we're moving to the next topic. Go for it. The thing about incremental content or season passes, for them to make that work in a game that is so established now, like Elite Dangerous, they have to be in a position where the game is functioning healthy as it currently is, or at least somewhat healthy for the players to buy into that. Because if you cast your mind back to when ARCs became a thing and it was almost uh, in a meme state, of buy arcs when it came out, people still trot that about every so often these days. It's a good idea in principle, but it it's not for elite dangerous players because I don't think I, I don't think it is because a lot of people that play elite dangerous aren't your typical gamer. They they're your they're a different breed of gamer that don't play anything else. So mm-hmm. I don't think they would be seduced by it. And they'd be repelled by it. I think a lot of you'd find a lot of people would be bossly. Um. Yeah. So. I want to double down on Tweak's paid story piece. I mean, maybe even this doesn't have anything to do with being a paid piece of it, but I do think that all of us here would agree that having some sort of a regular story release where it would be a chapter or almost like The Walking Dead where you had this chapter, that chapter, it would be really cool to have that just to tie us in in a way where it directs the story. And I was thinking about this when you were talking about the GM piece, which is having something that that every so often directs people to assets that are already there, like Dav's Hope or Crash Site or the Thargoid Hunter. Nah. You know, that would be really neat if there was Inra, something Inra. that points people. Yeah, like, the, I'm sorry, I just, in my head, it came out the Inra bases. Yeah. All right, which takes us to the next issue, which is this is uh, our from our wish list series. We literally are going to do a wish list item of the week every week, and this one is storage. We we have storage in the game now that has been introduced for um, you know fleet carriers, and that is cool. Um, but there, I think, is a value there to having storage accessible by everybody, not just fleet carrier owners. So with regard to that, you could either do a situation where you can rent storage for a fee or or each player. You, so there's three ways you could do it. The first is each player gets a certain amount of storage and that's allotted to you. That's like, okay, each player gets 200 tons of storage and you can store something, you know, at a star base somewhere or at a land base somewhere, whatever. That is your storage place. The alternative, and the second way to do it is you rent storage. You pay some upkeep fee and say, hey, I need this storage. I need it for a month. I'm going to pay for it. And it's a rental spot. And the third way that you could, to my mind, look to do it is to say that it's tied to, you know, each person has a flat amount that they can have, but that you unlock the storage by getting like a high enough rep or rank with it. Like, hey, you're fully allied with these guys at, at any place where they have a base, you can you can use your storage locker there. And this just sort of 
democratizes the idea of storage for everyone, that it's not just fleet carriers that get storage that, and obviously we're not, we're not saying, I'm not saying every person needs to have 25,000 tons. Like, no, that's a huge investment. And that goes with fleet carriers. You pay your fee, you get your thing. But I think that new players, I think that players that have been playing for a month, that they don't have a fleet carrier, they don't have access to that kind of money, should have access to, say, 200 tons of storage. So that if you just wanted to, at some point, drop off your shit and go buckyball race or drop off your shit and go, you know, I'm mining. And then they, oh, we're doing this CG. That's a combat CG. Let the newer people that don't have all that money in drop off their shit, switch over to their combat ship, and come back to their mining stuff later. Uh, we got starting with Roy. Go for it. Yeah, I think I think it's a good point. Um, the fact that people have already sort of uh, jury rigged a way to do this means that it's a definite need. Like you can, I, I actually did this on the expedition I'm on right now, where I was trying to transport <laughs> trying to transport some rare goods, which maybe isn't the perfect example, but. It works with any cargo where if you meet up with someone, jettison the cargo, they use collector limpets, and then they can put it on their own fleet carrier. Like that mechanism exists and it's a giant inconvenience. Um, but the fact that people are doing that means it's a it's something that's valuable to people. So you could put it in the game and make it something that's, you know, a certain amount's available for people. Maybe they can pay for more um, and so on. So it's I, I agree. It's, it's a needed thing. I'm I'm a person who owns two anacondas that sit in Shinrata just for storage. So when I get power play weapons and whatnot, I can just throw them all in there and let them sit there. Definitely need it. And I can add that I was actually quite disappointed when I bought my fleet carrier to realize I still only had 120 storage. I thought so, for sure I'd have more once I owned my own fleet carrier. So. Yeah, you're talking about module storage, which is a different thing, but... Yeah, we're talking about storage of like storage. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the cargo. Storage. You only get well, car. Yeah, car. Well, cargo too. I mean, even on the fleet carrier, cargo is taken. The cargo space is taken up by the different modules you put in. So if you have a shipyard, if you have the outfitting, if you have all those different things, you can carry less cargo on your fleet carrier. And the next up we've got is the poll. And the poll is this week is going to be this week's hot topic, the alleged slavery slash concentration camp. It just makes me vomit just wanting just just hearing that, but whatever. Or is this a hoax slash overblown clickbaity bullshit, whatever? Or do you think this is a serious threat to the game that like we this absolutely must be whatever address so the poll will be up within an hour of the show uh ending so look for it and get in on that poll it's going to be you know what do you think is this now i'm not saying it's fully a hoax or whatever i'm saying i think it smells to me like it's mostly a hoax slash if a couple of people are you know serious victims here it's a scam and calling it those other terms is clickbaity um but Maybe you feel like, no, dude, you're just missing the mark. You're way off. This is super, super serious, and you need to you know, adjust your thinking. So let, I want to hear from you. What, do you. what do you guys think? So those are the community questions. The first one is your thoughts on this week's awesome CG. The second community question number two is your thoughts on the live game service, uh, GMs, the idea of a GM uh, you know, uh, sort of doing all that stuff. Question community question number three is your thoughts on the quality of life issue of the month. That idea of that concept of having a thing on the forums that then they call out what's doable and give us three options and we vote something up and, and gives us the sort of again, this is more addressing like 
for the long-term players, some stuff that we've always wanted that we think like, man, this would be easy. Maybe a little bit of effort on that. Community question number four is thoughts on the funding model and the implications for that. I'm not saying we should switch to a, 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 a season pass. I'm not saying we should switch to a subscription. I'm not saying we should switch to anything. I'm saying let's think about the implications of how we look as consumers to them and what that might explain on some of their decision making. Um, community question number five is the wish list item of the week storage, player storage without needing a fleet carrier. And community question number six is the poll is it a hoax slash clickbait or is this a super serious threat that I'm just not taking serious enough? All right, let's go with state of the game. We're starting with Roy. So I'm reminded of a quote from Colin Powell. It says, bad news isn't wine. It doesn't improve with age. If there's something else that FDEV's waiting to tell us about um, things, features that aren't in Odyssey, like out with it already. We've, we've pointed out a few things where it's like, why are they giving question, you know, answers to these questions like they haven't figured this out when this thing was, I guess, at some point supposed to have been released already? That's troubling. I'm going to say that's a five for me. Um, in in other aspects, though, I'm still loving being on the on the expedition, and I'm spending lots of time exploring and hanging out with people in the Loose Screws expedition. If uh, you want to join, it's not too late. But I'm just saying, I, I'm having this really disparate, this really sort of sort of bifurcated experience <laughs> in the game right now, where I found a reason to have fun, but I'm really troubled by what's going on underneath. It, to me, it sounds like one of those. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> yeah. All right. Boss lady. Yeah. So state of the game for me is, again, kind of like Roy, the activities that players and as player group we've come up with and things that are coming up, I'm really excited for. I haven't really given even much thought to the other side of it because it is just such a kind of bummer and it hasn't changed and nothing has moved forward. So it's kind of same thing. It's probably like a, a seven because the, the community is great and the rest will fall into place. All right. For me, state of the game. I told you last week, I told you guys three weeks, two, three weeks ago, how this was going to work. I started at a seven and it dropped to a six. Last week, it dropped from a six to a five. This week, it drops from a five to a four. I love this game, but I am going to dock you one point every week until you give us fucking answers. And I'm holding to that. So you can... Tomorrow, you give us, or Monday, you give us answers. You can tr pick up that four in a heartbeat to really, really a much better number. But you you need to give us some straight answers. Quick, you're up. Yeah, last week, I was a six. Uh, kind of to piggyback off Roy, they, they're avoiding giving us answers. The answers they are giving us, we already know. They're treating us like we're a bunch of dummies. And that just is making it scarier and scarier. And, and add on top of that, the fact that you guys are supposed to get your alpha in what three months they don't know how it's going to work when you die when you're on foot that's scary as hell to me so i dropped from a six to a five this week wk jess as far as the state of the game is currently there's a lot of cool things going on right now a lot of it is community content such as drew and what you guys are doing i'm gonna give it seven but if i separate out and go my hype levels for odyssey then i'm 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 with you on four there you go. That's that's how I feel about it. Fair. 
I want to call out one specific thing. This was something that uh, was said on the stream. I forget. It was the Tuesday stream, I think. Yeah, it was. It was the Tuesday Super Cruise News stream. Oh, so Steven basically just at one point, he's like, hey, guys, I know that you're a little frustrated. I know it's a little whatever, but he chuckled and he was like, you know, just think of it this way. By November, we'll be back to normal and everything will be good and everybody will be together again by end of November. And to me, I want to call out the fact that it's like you just low key laughed while you sort of broke the news officially that like, oh, yeah, by the way. Yeah, we're a, we're going to delay by a year, like because this thing was supposed to be out in December. And now he's saying by end of November, things will be good. That's a year. Let that sink in for people just a moment. A year delay. Oof. All right. Uh, so having said that, we'll start and go down the list. Roy, say goodbye to the beautiful people. Fly casual, stay dangerous. WKHS, say goodbye to the beautiful people. Be safe, be well, have a good weekend. Tweet. Have a good weekend, everybody. Just just remember, while FDev is trying to screw things up, the community is still amazingly great and stellar, and that is what we can hold on to with this. Boss Lady B. Have a wonderful weekend and try and keep it classy. And I'm going to say, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, be well, be good to each other. Be happy for the good things that are in this game, but be also empathetic or sympathetic or, or or sort of gentle with the people that are a little bit upset about certain aspects. They have reason. Having said all of that, I will wish you a good night.
Feuilles 